TGIF, man. It was a long week. This is uh, episode one, Civil Sentinel podcast. Joined by Tito. He goes by Florida Man Outdoors on uh, Instagram. My name is Jake. My page is called Civil Sentinel. It's a calm-based page, and uh, Tito's on the comms as well. And uh, what we're trying to do here is a brand new all-comms discussion podcast. Uh, There's a lot of uh, stuff in the gun community talking about tactics and readiness and Minuteman and all that stuff. But there's really nothing out there that I've found that's specific to comms. I know some of the other pages have, or some of the other podcasts have uh, uh, done some comm interviews with some other guys, but uh, nothing like this. Let's yeah, give it no, a shot. I, uh, yeah, yeah, we're going to give it our best here. Yeah, no, I uh, I don't know of anybody, anybody else that's doing a, like a comms, you know, centric podcast. And I think it'd be really great to get one going, even if it's not like all comms all the time, you know, talk about a bunch of different stuff, just the culture in general and, and, and preparedness. Um, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm Florida Man Outdoor. I go by Tito. Uh, you can find me on uh, Instagram and on uh, YouTube. I'll have much more comment com- or, uh, content coming out on YouTube. Uh, here soon with some more videos pertaining to the uh, Motorola XTS line radios and things. But um, yeah, man, no, this is uh, this is going to be a good time. Good stuff, man. That's a great segue into uh, tell us a little bit more about yourself. How uh, long you been in the comms? What got you into it? And uh, where do you want to go with it? Um, Shoot, man, I, I just got into comms uh, like beginning of last year. Um, I've kind of been, you know, into guns and shooting guns like my whole life grew up around guns. But, you know, a couple of years ago, really started getting into more of like the tactical side uh, and like more like two way absolutist kind of things, like the actual purpose of the Second Amendment, like, you know, not, not just like hunting white tailed deer and shit. And, you know, it's just kind of grown from there. And my group of, you know, my family and like my group of guys and friends, you know, we're, we're all moving towards that, like all prepared citizen kind of thing but you know like what are you going to do if you can't talk to each other when your cell phones stop working uh you know unga bunga like ape you know style yelling at each other only works for you know earshot like 100 meters um <laughs> so i i basically self-designated myself as the as the commo to uh to basically implement a secure and dependable rugged uh communication standard for basically my family friends and and my uh my preparedness group i can relate kind of did the same thing in the comms about 2014 2015 uh doing some uh, tactical Nobody in the group knew how to program the radio, so I took it upon myself to learn how and kind of fell down the rabbit hole. But uh, not a comms guy by background; it just kind of happened. Uh, yeah, no, I'm not. I'm, I was gonna say I'm not either. I uh, I really wasn't even that into like tech or the tech side of things. But since I picked this up, it's just kind of it's like a domino effect. They just start falling. I know there's a whole lot more people out there that are just like us. It's, it's been very apparent. I don't. I, I think you've noticed, but 
there's been a lot of comms pages popping up on Instagram and it's been the topic of uh, auto readiness and tactical discussions and lots of great posts out there. Very educational. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of educational stuff. I've been, I've been so busy recently. I need to get on top of posting a lot more, but uh, I got some plans for some cool posts coming up here in the future. Hopefully this next year is a, is a good one for me as far as content goes. I hope so. Keep it coming. I saw you some um, programming stuff with P25. That's awesome, man. There's not a lot of that out there. We need more of that. Yeah. And that's, that's been a big point of me, uh, you know, making my page it's, you know, my page isn't all just comms. Some of it's, you know, shooting just general posting and, and stuff like that. But I would say I definitely focus more on the comms aspect of things. Yeah. I, uh, same except for, I started, uh, the civil Sentinel page just to post comm stuff kind of as a way to, swallow it easy because i really struggled to learn this stuff i self-taught everything and uh i do have some buddies that are ham radio nerds and asking them questions was incredibly painful to get through it spoke to me like (laughs) i had these concepts already understood in my mind and the truth is i didn't and yeah you did I would like ask a very beginner question and the response was like way technical and way over my head. And I was just kind of like, okay, smile and nod, go along with this. I didn't answer my question. I still don't know. Yeah. There, there isn't uh, hardly any, um, you know, information out there when it comes to, especially like the, the Astro radios, the Motorola XTS line radios, uh, the EF Johnson, like 5100s and Viking series radios. There's a very limited pool of, of information out there. So yeah, a lot of it, uh, a lot of what I've learned, you know, some other, the Instagram pages and stuff like that have been, have been a big help uh, to me learning. But now that I'm like in a position where I've got a pretty good grasp on this stuff, yeah, I'm using my Instagram and my YouTube and, and, you know, kind of some short format informational stuff on, on Instagram and go more long format on YouTube with like the, my, uh, my latest YouTube video, my first YouTube video that recently came out a few weeks ago, which was updating the firmware on XTS radios and flashing them with a new feature set or what they call like a flash code, flash code update. Um, but there's some, some plans for some, uh, for some upcoming videos here. Hopefully by the end of the month, I'll have three new videos out. Awesome, man. That's great. I want to do the same. I haven't really done any like programming or any videos like that. I've kind of delved into the, you know, what is propagation? Uh, what is antenna theory? How do you use a radio? Uh, some of the scientific stuff to it that kind of breaks down how it works and why. I think that's really important to understand, especially if you're going to get into some of the more advanced stuff like signal intelligence and uh, ComSec. And uh, if you're going to be doing setting yourself up for Operation security, OPSEC, uh, you know, ComSec is a huge part of that. Oh, definitely. So the uh, the purpose of today's podcast, the the topic rather, is Baofeng radios. Bofeng, Baofeng, Bofeng, Bufeng, however you say it. <laughs> Baofeng, I've, I've heard it called probably every way you could possibly say it. It seems like everybody out there has one or two. I have or a three. couple. <laughs> I do too. I do too. I have a... Uh, two uv5rs and a, a bf8 and the bf8 is basically a uv5r but it's eight watts instead of five watts yeah yeah i actually i have a couple of the tp ones which is like the triple power so they do eight five and one watt i think is what they do have you ever put a meter on those things and seeing what your actual power output is i have not no yeah yeah so i bought a uh bought a little swr meter i, I got into um Making antennas, ground plane antennas and dipole antennas and 
stuff like that. That's something I still need to dive into. I've done all the studying for that, but I've never practiced it. It's fun, man. It's great. It, especially once you start making a ground plane antenna, you you can up your receiver capability fast. Oh yeah, yeah. You you made some like uh, some like jungle jungle style antennas. Yeah, pretty much. I think it's a. I forget which connector is which. The PL two fifty nine and the two thirty nine. One of them is like uh, one of them's the male, one of them's the female, if I'm not mistaken. I got one of those connectors and I got a balanced feed line, a 15 foot RG8X feed line. And um, I made a ground paint plane antenna out of um, electrical wire, which is basically nice. just a in fed antenna, except the, it has four radials on it. You can go, oh, okay. we'll, we'll get into this on another episode. But, yeah, yeah, that's um, a whole rabbit hole right there. I duct taped it to a broomstick and stuck it in the ground in my backyard and put my radio on it and put the meter on it man i kid you not i was able to receive a repeater a vhf repeater from like 35 miles away at ground level that means that signal was traveling through neighborhoods across highways through trees i was like super impressed that um it performed that well and i was able to i at that range i broke the squelch on the repeater and got the repeater back but it was too far and i didn't have enough power to uh through and and communicate clearly dang the little stock and you know on the radio no no way that's happening yeah even no, with no like way. the uh i bought some of those nagoya 771 antennas they're really popular they're great yeah i have and, a couple uh, of those even putting that antenna on the radio i couldn't hit the repeater at that range but, uh, that ground plane really changed the game nice so, yeah that's pretty good one of the best i've done is uh just using uh, a nagoya magnetic mount on the roof of my truck uh and i mean i'm in florida so i don't have any good hills or anything i got up on top of like the closest hill to me and i got 30 miles into a vhf repeater using just my xts 5000 pushing six watts yeah man that's awesome i got the same one the mag mount i forget the model number but it's a nicoya mag mount antenna and i just pin the cable down through my door and i drive around with it on my ht yeah on exactly. my handle. yeah that's yeah. exactly what i do stellar man i i can drive around town and hit any repeater in town oh yeah for sure so what's your uh what's your edc radio do you carry a radio every day oh yeah uh actually it was funny i just had on my story today edc2 radios or that might have been yesterday but iedc2 radios iedc um an xts 5000 vhf model 3 i've got a bunch of programming i've got my tactical zones my you know i've got zones for basically the counties all around me and all of the two meter repeaters programmed in got a simplex zone for you know basically using the, the ham simplex frequencies and stuff like that too let's uh, talk about zones real quick i'm sure a lot of people listening yep. to this are going to be curious and want to know a little bit more uh, and i do want to make this as educational as possible explain what zones yeah, no, are no me too uh a zone i mean it's kind of depends on how you want to configure them at least with like uh I know it's they're kind of the same with DMR and P25, but on P25, I basically just use it to categorize um, either groups of frequencies or like, you know, like a range of frequencies. Like I have a, a, a like an analog simplex zone, and that's going to basically be just like the two meter simplex frequencies for the for the ham band, you know, the two meter ham band. And then I have zones that are divvied up by uh, county. And all of the two, because I have a VHF radio, so there's all of the two the uh, the two meter repeaters in each county. So I've got a, a zone for all the counties around me. I live really close to the coast, and it's a VHF radio, like I said. So I have all of the I have a zone with a bunch of the marine frequencies um, in it. And on the XTS radios, you can have 16 channels in a zone. Um, actually, you might be able to do more than that, but with my current configuration, I can only do 16 channels because I just use the rotary knob for channel selection. So for those of you listening, some terms that 
Tito just threw out there, uh, two meter and 70 centimeter and uh, simplex and, and all that stuff. Basically, uh, he's describing a wavelength of the frequency. Yeah, exactly. So, kind of backing up a couple steps, you got VHF uh, and UHF. That's the most common two bands that are on handheld radios. And uh, there there is a difference in those, but uh, the, the wavelength of uh, VHF is two meters. The wavelength of UHF is 70 centimeters. When we start getting into antenna theory and stuff like that, we'll do that on another episode, but use those uh, wavelengths of your frequency to uh, tune your antenna. So your antenna has to be resonant with the frequency that you're in use on. And yes, the way you tune your antenna is you trim it uh, either a quarter or a half or five eighths or three quarter wavelength or a full wavelength. Yeah. But, um, well, I think it'd be safe to say don't don't go trimming your your whip antennas now. <laughs> <laughs> don't yeah, start cutting sure. down the, your 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 little flexible whip antennas or your rubber duck antennas. Uh, I think it's pretty funny. I have, I have have a lot of people hit me up who are like, I need to get a longer antenna. My radio doesn't transmit far enough, and and it's just like, oh, hold your horses now. You you probably don't need a longer antenna. Um, you probably need a, a better like built antenna, better engineered antenna. People will um you know message me and they're like, hey, should I get this this Aubrey 48 inch folding, you know, whip antenna that looks like super tactical. And believe it or not, the the 48 inch or like and the other folding ones actually work pretty well. But uh, with some of the cheaper folding antennas, uh I've seen many of them start breaking and wearing out at the points that they bend and not a lot of time, especially with use in the field. Yeah. Um yeah I've I have people message me and they're yeah, like, should I get the sure. super long antenna? Is it going to make my radio transmit farther? And I'm like, no, probably not. Uh, the really long antenna like that, you're raising your the the center of the resonance, which is getting it a little higher. But yeah, no, you really just need to upgrade from like the rubber duck, the stock rubber duck antenna to something like a, a Nagoya whip or a signal stick antenna, something like that. Yeah. And there's, there's a little bit of truth to uh, a longer antenna being able to communicate further, but it's it's not as simple as that. The science there is, uh, if you get a longer antenna, you're you're upping your output gain. That that aids in a further communication, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get a further communication. It just means you're going to get a better signal that's going out. Yeah, exactly. Like the difference between like a, which again, this is going to be like a, you'd have to dive into into another episode, but like difference between like a quarter wave and a half wave or a five eighths wave antenna. Uh, for all you new guys out there listening to this, most antennas that are going to come on your handhelds, your your Baofangs and your Motorola's, you have an XTS? Yeah. They're going to be basically eighth wave stock antennas. For a lot of close range and short range comms, that's fine. Yeah, um, within a mile or two, probably fine. My my uh, my stock antenna works great. I, I yeah, I run I run stock Motorola antennas on most of my XTSs, and they and they work great. Yeah, man, but Motorola is one of those companies. You know, you're whatever you buy from them, you're buying the highest quality out there. So you know, it's not just going to be the radio; it's going to be the antenna too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But the uh, I think the the Baofeng antennas. This will be a good segue into the Baofeng discussion. But the Baofeng antennas, hit or miss. I've I've tested some of them. Some of them perform exceptionally well. Some of them yeah. are just trash. And the SD, SWR, the standing wave ratio on them, is terrible. So Yeah, like, they don't have real good consistency. You never know what you're going to get. You open the package, you screw it on, and it could be a good one. It could be a bad one. You don't really know until you put on an antenna analyzer and see what's up. Yeah, exactly. So let's talk about the Baofeng. What's your let's honest talk opinion? about the Baofeng. My honest opinion? Um, 
<laughs> my honest opinion would basically be it is the it, it's the cheapest radio that you can probably get that kind of works most of the time. <laughs> I mean, I mean, really, it is just like it's it's a borderline toy. Like, I'm sorry, but it's it's it is a like a borderline toy. You know, it's it's kind of nice to have like it's kind of nice that they are like so cheap and accessible and easy to get. But it's really just an entry level dual band like analog radio it's all it does um it's not rugged it's not ruggedized they got pretty poor rf performance as far as the selectivity and the sensitivity of the transceiver which is basically just pertains to the signal strength required to open the squelch on the radio basically like that, that's such a that's like such another rabbit hole going down into like the the transceiver performances and the and the specs on transceivers but they're not known for being great radios as far as being able to receive signals or transmit signals effectively either. No, they are not. They don't have a great reputation. <laughs> no, with with all their the spurious emissions and, and things like that. And, you know, like I said, they're not very ruggedized. I was on a camping trip recently with uh, with some guys that I hooked up with in my local area and they all run. Uh, they're all running, you know, UV five R's and we were camping on the river. Uh, one of the guys who was coming out camping with us was uh, was infilling to the camp uh, location via a small John boat on the river. And we we, we were all out there already, you know, hanging out in the woods. And and we had him on comms and he was, you know, talking to us on on his UV 5R as we're at the campsite. And he's, you know, coming up the river and all of a sudden we lost him. He was just couldn't hear him anymore. Like 15 minutes later. <laughs> He pulls up and onto the uh, onto the bank where we're camping, and he just shows us like his soaking wet balfang. He didn't even drop it in the river; he dropped it in the little bit of water that was just in the bottom of the John boat, like an inch of water that was just kind of you know collected in the back of the John boat. He dropped it in there, and just, like five seconds after it hit that water, done for. No more comms. We're doing some um, small unit tactics trainings. Me and a group of guys here in Texas. Uh, this was like. 2015 maybe 2016 we went out for a weekend and we 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 used to do one weekend a month and we'd go to our buddy's ranch and we'd do you know patrols and formations and react to contact drills and break contact drills and recon and and we used radios for all that stuff and everybody had a bow thing uh well it was raining that weekend you know what they say if it ain't raining you ain't training so we were out there yeah. with our bow things in the rain like three of the guys, their radios just quit working, and they didn't get direct rain on the Baofeng. They were in a, a pouch with a you know a Velcro flap over top, and it wasn't like we were like sopping wet. It was like a constant kind of tropical type rain, like a misty. But that yeah, little we bit get of, that we get that in Florida a lot. Yeah, yeah. Anywhere on the Gulf, I think it's stuff like that. But that much humidity and light precipitation in the air was enough to kill three Baofangs in one weekend. And uh, I believe it. I had a, I have another story. I bought, I think my first Baofang, actually, I got it. I got it working. I think I did like three weekends with it. And I didn't really use it in between the weekends. In the middle of the last weekend that I was using it, it just quit working. It would power on, but it wouldn't transmit. It wouldn't receive. I could change channels on it. Like no reason? Yeah, just no reason. It just quit working. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> and then you, you looked know, at I, it I, wrong. I power cycled it and it wouldn't come back on. Okay, huh. head radio. I'll go buy another one. That's how I ended up with so many of them. I just I had either had a buddy that wanted one or needed to borrow one or had an extra twenty five bucks here or there. I was like, I'll just buy another one. And okay, yeah. Every, I mean, that is the nice thing about them. 
Yeah, yeah, they're kind of disposable. Yeah, that's uh, basically you have to treat them as they're disposable. But I mean, in like a real emergency situation, like what are you just gonna have like a a pelican case like full of balfangs? <laughs> hey, some people do, man. I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, I, I've seen it too. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. It's just like, oh, you've got a thousand dollars worth of balfangs. You could have bought like ten nice radios. <laughs> right. But yeah, I don't have a lot of. Uh, I was going to say, I don't have a lot of direct experience, like hands-on field experience with the Baofangs. Basically, like when I got into this a year ago, I had already subscribed to the, like the Baofang. It's just like the cheap Chinese. And I was like, I was like, I don't want that. I don't have a whole ton of experience, like a Baofang in my hand and actually uh, operating one. I have programmed a couple of them and I have chirp, uh, you know, downloaded on, on my computer and I have a code plug for Balfangs written up because believe it or not, most of the guys I run into with Balfangs don't even have their radios programmed. They're just like running the stock, like four channels that come programmed in the memory of a Balfang, like from when, when you buy it and they don't even know what frequency they're running. They changed the Chinese language on it though. Yeah. They set it to, you know, to where it talks to them in English and <laughs> it's so funny. I've never programmed a frequency. So I'll I'll have my laptop with me and like I have to basically, you know, grab their someone's Baofeng from them, plug it into my laptop and and load a, a pretty basic, you know, functional code plug onto it and then actually like show them how to use their radio. So yeah, like I said, I have a couple laying around. I just have them to they're they're basically just like handouts if there was an emergency and I needed to give my neighbor or something a radio, I can give them this Balfang and I don't give a shit about it. <laughs> right, right. So talking about the programming, what do you think about the the face programming on it? The face programming is garbage. <laughs> <laughs> it's doable. Oh, Watch Explain. a YouTube video. <laughs> It's just, it's not intuitive, which I mean, you and I were talking about this recently. Uh, so far in, in my experience with like all of this radio stuff, whether it's like DMR, P25, the Baofeng, none of it's intuitive. All of it has like its own kind of like nuance to it. It's just the the interface with the radio, it, it's not it's not great. It's doable. You can watch a five minute YouTube video and you can figure out how to program them from the face. I think it's way easier to, to use Chirp. Chirp makes it way easier than doing it from the from the front panel you can just open up chirp type in the frequencies and the channels you need and click right radio and you're good to go and i one of the things that it drives me nuts about it can't name your channel slots from the face you have to do it in the no screen. no you can't you have to do it from the computer yeah you have to do that in chirp if you put in like a, a ton of channels that you plan on using it's like shit which one is it now yeah so so if you do that now you gotta like if you if you do have like channel names or something now you gotta like take out your right in the rain you gotta write down each frequency that you just put in and yeah it's it's kind of it, it's kind of a pain yeah it, it is it's counterintuitive let's talk about some of the pros of the Baofeng because you know there's a lot of people listening who uh definitely have one and are probably gonna buy one <laughs> and, and and real quick i don't want to discourage anybody getting one if if that's all you can afford or if you don't know anything it, they are a, a decent place to start i would encourage you to start uh, a couple rungs up the ladder from there but being the most popular radio in the world and the fact that everybody has one i'm not definitely not one to shit on you for that no and i think 
I think a lot of people misinterpret the, uh, you know, some of like the, the shit posting that happens uh, within the community between guys who are pushing, you know, higher level communication standards to like the, the, to, to the bow fang, you know, the fang gang and everything like that. I think it's more of just, you know, it's, I think it's more lighthearted than anything. And some people kind of might start taking things like too serious. Um, Oh, certainly, man. People take it way too personally. Yeah. It's, it's really easy, you know, over the social media and everything to like lose the context of, you know, of like a statement or someone or something that someone's making. You know, I, I, I poke a lot of fun at the Balfang a lot. I, I think I use the hashtag like shame the Balfang, but just seeing people like at least getting yeah at least seeing people getting radios and and using radios just i mean if you're going to get a balfang like master it it's not that hard it, what what aggravates me is like i said when i run into guys who have a balfang and they have they have no idea what they're doing other than turn it on and press the ptt with the four channels that came like programmed from the factory and they like i said they literally have no idea what frequency they're running it's like okay you're on this channel that came programmed from the factory what frequency is that and they're just like well i don't know it's like well how do you know that you're not interfering with 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 you know maybe you know government or law enforcement or or something like that right and And they they don't know what they don't know and and you might you might piss off the wrong group of people Yep. Hams are notorious for being unfriendly. You know, everybody's heard the stories and, and it gets talked about a lot that if you talk on ham frequencies and you're not supposed to, you don't you don't throw out your call sign, you don't have a license, that they're gonna direction find you. And though there is some truth to that, direction finding is a little bit more of a uh, a honed skill that's gonna take some time. But it definitely has I'll definitely. tell you what, you wanna practice you want to you want to practice your uh, your um, your emissions control and your comsec. Uh, just just tease the ham guys. I mean they they've been trying to fox hunt me for like three months. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but Rilla comms. go harass the ham. Uh, go harass the ham. you and not encourage. <laughs> but if you want to have some fun, oh, go for it. That was a joke. <laughs> I, I support that game. That that'd be fun. Roll the dice, though. You might get a knock on your door from the FCC if they ever figure out where you're at. <laughs> uh, if the FCC can scrounge up enough change to put some gas in their cars, maybe. I saw this video on YouTube of the uh, this FCC task force or whatever they are and plate carriers and have got pistols on their hips going to bust a pirate radio station in, in Santa Cruz, California. Get on YouTube, search around, you'll eventually find it. Man, this task force, these guys were overweight. You could tell they are just desk jockeys all day long. <laughs> they look like, like some of the new like IRS hires. To bust us. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely don't go, uh, oh. don't go don't go poke the bear. It's not wise and yeah, no, don't. Uh, I definitely don't condone interfering with anything like that. Just uh, you know, a, a little bit of time on Google and you can figure out where you can use your radio. Yeah, exactly. All you got to do is go search for band plans and uh yeah got the vhf band plan the uhf band plan um awrl has some stuff out there qrz fcc website if you can figure out how to navigate it has the band plan on it Uh, dude i can never figure out how to like navigate the fcc website it's just like if you google something and then like google will take you to like the quick link to the fcc website but it takes you directly to the area of the fcc website you need to be that's like the only way i could find anything on there <laughs> it's it's painful man i've spent hours on there digging around trying to find information on all kinds of stuff out there yeah 
if you know what to look for, you can sift through just mountains of data and eventually find it. But they definitely haven't made it easy. Definitely not. Um, so back to the question. Let's talk about some pros of the Baofeng. What, uh, off the top of your head, or if you have a list of them, what's something good about the Baofeng? Uh, my only pro that I have written down is, it is uh, it's cheap. Agreed. It's cheap and it's widely proliferated. I guess I could say there's a lot of information online about the Baofeng as far as like YouTube videos and forums and stuff like that. Um, there's a ton of information when it comes to using a Baofeng, programming a Baofeng, which is a lot different than like the, the Motorola radios where there's not a lot of information on on those. There's there's a lot of support and there's a endless amount of accessories for them. A crazy yeah. And and they're about as good as quality as the Baofeng is itself. Yeah, basically, as far as like the speaker mics and things. Okay, I got a short list here I wrote down. Deep, light, and small. They are super lightweight and they're small. They are super lightweight. That's kind of like why I I had it like written down like it's like a borderline toy because it feels like a toy in your hand. Oh, for sure. After you've been holding like an XTS 5000 and then you pick up a Baofeng UV5R and you're like, what is this? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the, the difference, with, though, picking up a Motorola, picking up an EF Johnson, um, even the Maxon radios, even the Anytone radios. Now, the Anytone doesn't really come in the same classes as Motorola or EF Johnson, but pick it up and you're like, wow, this is a solid product. I don't feel like I'm going to yeah. accidentally break this thing. Like, I know that I could probably back over it with my truck and it's still going to work. You probably could. Yeah. And they are, <laughs> what, are they IP68 rated? So. They're submergible. Um, yeah, the I thought I had it written down here. Um, the, the XTS. Yeah, the the XTSs are 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 very durable. They're I've I mean I've taken them apart uh, to install UCMs and everything. Everything. I mean, even without the housing itself, I feel like just the internal like actual radio without the housing is so well sealed that that's probably water waterproof without the housing. That's a good point. Um, I've never taken one apart, but I have taken some Yesus apart, the FT60, and it's this mm-hmm. the plastic cover off, and it's this solid block magnesium housing, and it's like, oh, this thing is this thing's a champion. Yeah, the inside of the XTS radios is very similar. At least I haven't taken apart a 2500, but the I've taken apart like 10 5000s now, and yeah, they're super solid. Plus, then the housing on its on its own is also sealed with o-rings and everything all around the tops of the knobs where the antenna goes uh around the actual housing when you pop the internal the actual radio out of the housing there's a big o-ring there um i have a buddy who uh lives up in alaska and his department actually uses the xcs 5000 and he was like yeah we had to get all suited up in our kit and they you know they hosed us down with like the fire hose and he was like, I had my radio like on my kit and it's just in like one of those belt holsters like firefighters have or like one of those like sling holsters that they use. Yeah. And he was like, dude, it got hit with a fire hose. And he was like, the radio still works. Can't do that with a Baofeng. <laughs> Absolutely not. Sneeze <laughs> on him wrong. Most other radios. Uh, you know, Wyoming Survival. Uh, that's his, his page, right? Wyoming Survival. Yeah. Yeah. Made a good comment the other day. Um, he said things get worked out in the field, and I think yeah, I saw that post. The best teacher out the field, getting out in the field, doing actual training. You know, not just for a couple hours at the range, but getting out there and getting in the dirt, getting in the snow, getting in the mud, uh, crawling around, yeah, getting in the rain. Yeah, it's like you said, if it ain't raining, it ain't training. I want, right. I want, 
everyone to go put their bow fangs on and go train in the rain next week. <laughs> yeah, out there, go message use me it. on Instagram and let me know how your bow fang did. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but a few notes here. So here's, I think everybody would agree the UV five R is the most popular. Um, the BFA yeah. I mentioned earlier. That's another one. The another popular one is the UV eighty two, and um, I don't have any experience with it, but I've seen a bunch of guys that have them, and they have the exact same problems as the V five R do. They're is just, that the is the eighty two? Is that the GMRS one? They make a GMRS version of it, but I don't think it's called the UV eighty two. I think they call it something else. But okay, uh, the UV eighty two has two push to talks on it. They have your your top uh, bank and your bottom bank on your screen on your display. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, you can do dual monitoring and dual push to talk, which is a cool feature. Except you're just not getting a quality radio that can do that. That is um, a that is a cool feature, yeah. But I think it, what even the UV5Rs do dual monitoring, right? Yeah, they do. They do. Yeah, yeah, they do dual monitor. That's what I thought. And then there's the AR152. It's that um, the Harris radio, the, the green one. It's the clone of that. Yeah, it's like the the wannabe PRC153. Yeah, that's it. And it's got a monster battery on it. But in reality, what it is is a big green UV5. The firmware is exactly... Is that all the internal is, is a UV5R? That's it. It's a different case. <laughs> That's so funny. The bigger battery. It just, it's just meant to look like a like a ANPRC-153. Yeah. I That's funny. You do get better battery life out of it. I've never played with one, but people have been posting yeah, about it. Yeah, because that is... <laughs> Because I've seen those, and that is a that's a chunk in radio that's like bigger than an XTS five thousand. <laughs> yeah, it's a clone of the the green radio. It's just a yeah, build a house out. I of I wonder them. what the battery life is on that. That's got to be like a five thousand milliamp hour battery or something. Ah oh, man, it's probably I don't know six days standby, something like that. A long time. Yeah, the battery, a long the battery time. life on those on the UV five Rs isn't terrible. But no, it's not. Not sucking much power, so you know. let's talk about alternatives to the Baofeng. Uh, I know you did a little bit of homework on this. What'd you come up with? Uh, yeah, I've been doing a little bit of homework on this the last couple of days. As far as UV5R alternatives, I kind of broke it up into three sections, uh, uh, which are kind of categorized by price. And first one was uh, sub $100, and then I did $100 to $200, and then $200 plus. Um, to kind of like break it up, but you know, wh- once you get like over a hundred dollars, you're almost, it's almost not like an alternative to a UV5R. I think the thing that draws most people into the, to the bow fangs is the, you know, like $30, like 25 or $30 for a radio. I think they've gone up a little bit now. I think they're like pushing like 30 or 40 bucks now, but, um, yeah, price point is, is I think the biggest selling factor. <laughs> I think it is too. Once you get over a hundred bucks. Um, you might as well make a lateral move to BMR or uh, a used. Yeah, definitely. Once, you, yeah, exactly. Once you get over a hundred dollars, you definitely probably shouldn't just be buying an analog radio at that point. So, um, my first choice as uh, and it and I didn't even write down Balfang alternatives. I wrote down UV5R alternatives um, because I I don't have any direct experience with this radio. Other than I've I've handled one and I've seen one, um, a buddy of mine bought one after this camping trip with the when the Baofeng fell into the boat and then stopped working. And one of our friends who didn't have a radio, who I talked to over the course of the camping trip, kind of about comms and things, uh, and he messaged me 
uh, like post the trip and and uh, he was like, hey, man, I just want to get something where I could talk to everyone else on their Balfangs. But I want, you know, I want something like a little bit more rugged that that, you know, isn't going to die if it gets rained on. And I don't think a lot of people know this, but uh, Balfang makes the the GT three WP. That's a Golf Tango three whiskey papa. And that's basically just uh, the WP stands for waterproof. It's just a UV 5R. At least as far as I could tell from the spec sheet and everything, it's just a UV 5R in a like waterproof ruggedized housing. It claims to be IP67 rated. They run about thirty to forty dollars. What was that? Said I highly doubt it. But I also doubt it. The I held one in my hand. It it didn't feel like a toy. You know what I mean? Like it didn't quite feel like a UV5R as far as like the housing and everything. It felt like they definitely built it up out of some higher quality materials. Um, you and me were talking about like one of us picking up uh, one of these radios. I think I was going to pick up one of these radios here probably next week. And I'll be releasing some uh, videos on Instagram most likely of I'm, I'm just going to get one of these things. I'm going to put it through the ringer. I'm going to see what it can take and what it can't take. So Should uh, totally stay tuned for that. I one videos of yourself torture testing it Lightly. yeah that's the plan i think that's the plan actually i'll probably order one right after this podcast i would love to see I a mean, video of like okay here's this radio it claims to be ip67 so let's uh let's mimic a few everyday situations that we might run into and see how this thing holds up yeah and i doesn't matter I should do that with all, everything i should yeah. i should test it side by side with one of my xts 5000s if if you want to run the risk of uh Flooding one of those things out, go for it. It'd be, it'd be good <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't be the end of the world. No, they're affordable. Yeah, it wouldn't be the end of the world. I'd get another one. Yeah. They're affordable, especially if you're willing to put in the work on the back end. Um, or if you have a comms guy who's willing to put in the work on the back end for the XCS 5000. But yeah, so that was my first alternative as far as a uh, UV5R alternative is the Baofeng GT3 WP. They cost like 5 to $10 more than a UV5R. And you're getting what is supposed to be an IP67 rated radio. They have a slightly different uh, side connector for like headsets and and, and push to talks and things, but the the connector is still widely available from like comms gear supply and other uh, communications accessory vendors. But you know, still with that, you're not getting digital. You're not getting encryption. I don't believe it does any analog scrambling or or inverted you know a- analog function or anything like that. My next option which I needed to do, this is still sub $100 here, um, need to do more research because I actually posted these on my story today on Instagram. I found these on eBay, but they are the RCA, that's the uh, Romeo Charlie Alpha RDR 3600U. And on eBay right now, you could pick up two of those for a hundred bucks. They're cheap. They do analog and digital with a low level encryption. I believe it's a 40 bit encryption, probably like an RC4 encryption. They claim to be mill standard and IP67 rated. Uh, they're lightweight, but right now the problem I'm running into with those radios is I'm not finding the CPS to program them, the customer programming service. I'm not finding that readily available online. So I'm trying to dig it up. If this ends up working out, I'll definitely be posting about it and letting you guys know. And I might even pick up a couple of those radios anyway. I mean, 50 bucks a pop. And uh, they also do uh, uh, data and text messaging. So they'd have like a packet data, built-in packet data system. There you go. It's a good uh, starter digital radio for anybody on a budget. I think so. 
I think so. And for 50 bucks a pop, if I can get my hands on the CPS and start, you know, helping distribute that to people who are trying to, you know, get into a, a more robust and, and functional and feature rich um, co- uh, communication standard. I mean, something like this can make the, the Baofeng basically go obsolete. Uh, there, there'd be no reason to spend $30 on a Baofeng. We could spend 20 more dollars, get analog digital with encryption. Um, uh, one of the downsides I wrote down is they are single band. So like the the 3600U, U standing for UHF. So I think they do like 400 to 470 megahertz, or it was like 420 to 500 something megahertz. I forget exactly. I should have written that down, but. So it's probably a single band radio. Yeah, that's what I was saying. They're single bands. So that was one of the downfalls or like the cons I wrote down is single band radio, but of most digital and P25 radios, unless you're willing to spend a lot of money, are going to be single band. Yeah. Notice the same thing. Definitely notice the same thing. So that's sub 100. That's um, my sub 100. Those are the two probably most reasonable options at sub $100 for a radio. Not bad. Um, that I could like even maybe halfway recommend. Like I said, with the RCA, the RDR 3600. Maybe stay tuned on that. If I can get my hands on the CPS, I'll be letting you guys know, and I'll put the word out about that. As far as uh, next category I had was uh, $100 to $200. Um, I saw comms, I believe it was comms and logistics on one of the, on a post somewhere, was talking about the Kenwood 90 series radios, which are going to be the Kenwood uh, TK 290 and 390. Uh, that's, uh, that's Tango Kilo. 290, 390, the 290 being the VHF and the 390 being the UHF, I believe is how that works. Right now on eBay, they're running about $100 for either of the models. I think the VHF ones were a little bit more expensive. I think the VHF runs closer to 200, where the UHF runs closer to 100. Uh, Some of the pros I have written down here is uh, they're fairly inexpensive. Uh, They have a surplus market. They're durable. I believe it was IP54 rated, and they had a mill standard rating too. They are encryption capable, from what I can understand. It's a, it's again like a low level encryption. You're not getting like an AES, uh, 256 bit encryption. They are a single band radio. So, like I said, the 290 being VHF and the 390 being UHF, and they're a little bit older tech. They definitely look like an older radio and have some older features, but. I mean, as far as being a functional working radio, I think it's a pretty good option at, you know, less than $200. For sure. And then do you have any of those uh, EFJ 5100s? I do not. No, I don't have any of the uh, EFJs. They're on. Let's let's pull it up real quick. Let's look at uh, let's look at eBay real quick. If you're if you're going to know that you can get 100 and 200, I think some of those EFJs are just a P25 radio. It's digital. And it's analog and yep. digital. I mean, and it's IP67. I mean, if if you're going to spend, yeah, no, the EFJs are, are are good radios. The There's lots of uh, guys like uh, like Terminal Armament and everything. They they swear by um, the EFJ, the 5100s, or the Viking series radios. I was just looking recently. Uh, the 700, 800 megahertz radios are like sub a hundred dollars, even with the even for the XTS. 5000s uh the 700 800 megahertz band radios i actually just bought a a model 3 700 800 for like 80 bucks in really good condition because nobody wants the 700 800s and i didn't really want it either but i had a vhf xts 5000 model 1 and the model 1 doesn't have the screen or the keypad 
but I wanted to make that radio a Model 3. So I basically bought that radio to steal its screen, keypad, and housing and put it on my Model 1 radio. So backing up a little bit, there's some there's some sub $100 radios. There's the $100 to $200 range radios. And I think we're both in agreement that if you're going to spend between $100 and $200 on an analog radio, you might as well go buy something digital and start there because they have analog capability yeah. anyway. So, well, that's uh, the the Kenwoods too. The Kenwood, the TK ninety series, those are uh, a next edge radio. I don't believe they do analog; they only do digital. But they use uh, next edge uh, digital modulation. Okay, I'm I've I've seen it out there. I don't know anything about it to be honest with you. I'm, I'm familiar with DMR and P twenty five and. It's kind of a similar protocol. It, it you know, it's it's really similar to P25 and DMR. It's just another digital, you know, protocol for, you know, the modulation of the RF and everything. Yeah. And while we're talking about radios, I wanted to talk about uh, as far as alternates to to Baofeng goes, just kind of wanted to run through some of the brands. You can get on Amazon, you can get on hamradiooutlet.com, um search Google, you know, there's you you're, you're going to find a whole bunch of stuff. I've looked into this stuff. I've used some of this stuff. Kind of a little bit better quality, but still in the, definitely in the same low ballpark. The TYT, the Titera radios. Uh, I believe Redivis is TYT. They just they make them in the same factory and they rebrand them differently. Um, Dude, I think like that's how most of the Chinese radios are. You could look at yeah. like even like the BTEC 6x2 and like the Anytone 878. They look like the same radio. Yeah, it is the same uh, radio. Uh, MikeLor.com, M-I-K-L-O-R. If you look it up, if you do a any tone comparison with the BTEC 6X2, it's the same hardware, different firmware. That's it. Yeah, that's all I was going to say is those those companies bu- are buying those radios from the same like manufacturer, same factory, and then they're just flashing them with their own firmware and features and then you know selling them that way. For sure. So for the cheap Chinese radios out there, you got your Baofeng, uh, TYT, The Oddity, Redivis and I don't know how you say this. Waxon, Woshan, W O X. I think it's Wax Waxon, Woxon, something like that. And the, I know the the Waxon, Woshan, whatever you call it, make some that are pretty robust and claim to be waterproof IP67. But honestly, yeah, I've, I've never that. seen one in person, and I don't know anybody who has one. I know that they exist, but yeah. That's going to be kind of your your low tier bottom rung radios, and, and honestly, if if this is something you're serious about getting into, stay away from it. Let's, let's start a let's start a tier up. Um, yeah, that's why most of my choices, other than the uh, other than the 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 Baofeng GT three WP, uh, I didn't want to stay at that same like feature set level as a UB five R. I wanted to go at, at sub at starting at sub $100 I wanted to find options that that offered more features especially from like a tactical or emergency use standpoint as far as ruggedness and, and features as you know user interface features something worth bringing up is the big three of the ham radio world and you're, you're going to get a quality radio out of this you're not going to get Motorola quality but your big three is going to be Yesu, Icom and Kenwood we've kind of already touched on Kenwood yeah. Um, I've mentioned Yesu, but most of yeah, those EF Johnson gonna... makes Kenwood or Kenwood makes EF Johnson. I don't know how that works, but they're the same thing. I didn't know that. It's good to know. At I least that's go, uh, how I, uh, that's how I understand it. They're kind of like, um, like if you go on EF Johnson's website and then click on radios, there's the Kenwood option. I bet, uh, 
I bet Kenwood is the parent company there. It probably is. All three of those. Oh, I don't know about ICOM. I definitely know Yesu and Kenwood. They're Japanese and Japanese yes. engineering. And Japanese, Japanese make quality. great radios. They make great everything. Uh, yeah, they do. It's you're gonna you, you're gonna get quality out of it. But it's it, it kind of still falls in the ballpark of ham radio. And uh, there's nothing wrong with ham radio, um, but it is extremely limited, which I think is a from great, a tactical standpoint. Yes. Yeah, and I think that's a great uh transition into kind of discussing difference between mcom and tatcom and ham radio they all kind of overlap but they're all kind of their own different animal i reference mcom and tatcom specifically on um, my page because that's what i'm uh, trying to educate people on but mcom is basically emergency communications and tatcom is tactical communications and ham radio everybody knows what ham radio is it's you know a bunch of boomers sitting behind a desk <laughs> But uh, seriously, uh, I mean, that's what a lot of them are. There's not a lot of young hams out there, and I mean, there's a few. I mean, to be honest, I have my ham radio license. Yeah, so do I. I, I did it to learn. It's definitely not the only way to learn. And the more I, the more I get I, into this, I'm realizing there's other avenues of uh, using radio that's not ham radio. Oh yeah, for sure. I I kind of did the same thing. I kind of started off beginning of last year. I studied and got my technician's license. Um, and I recently upgraded to my general license in preparation for uh, starting to do some like man portable HF uh, operations. But uh, yeah, no, it, it was a really good segue for me to at least like learn about like antenna theory and propagation and how radios work. Uh, and I, I honestly believe that um, ham radio is probably one of the best routes to go as far as like emergency communications, like natural disaster and Shot stuff fired. like that. Shot because fired. <laughs> you're going to pick fired. off by saying that. You realize that, right? Uh, I mean, they can get mad. I, I don't care if they get mad. Um, I, I'm, I'm speaking purely from like a, like a community level and, and a local and regional level, like emergency as far as like natural disaster and, and things like that. I believe that ham radio is probably one of the best routes to go as far as uh, gathering information, being able to, you know, talk to people on the emergency repeaters. Chances are you've got an amateur radio club near you that has emergency deployment repeaters for if things, you know, start if there's a bad if you're coastal like me and you live in Florida and there's a hurricane. Well, after that hurricane comes through and all the cell towers are down and the power's out. Uh, that ham radio club is going to go out. They're going to set up their their deployable repeater and tower. And uh, once they do that, I could be talking to you know I could be using my handheld radio and talking to somebody who's seventy miles away. Oh, for sure. That's that's one thing that I think gets overlooked between the the tactical and emergency preparedness communities is don't always need to on tactical radio. And there there is yeah no definitely not being tactical that is communicating with the rest of the community. You know, it's a great way to gather yeah. intel. It's a great way to communicate with uh, locals, uh, interoperability with locals, if you will. Um, and, yep. and ham radio is going to be the avenue for that. And um, No, I, I definitely believe that for sure. You know, there's, there's some guys, I say shots fired earlier because you know I say that kind of jokingly, but there, there are some people out there who like are completely against ham radio. And I think that is uh, being against ham radio as they are, being dogmatic as they are, I think that's driving some of the uh, the bickering and the conflict around the Baofeng. Being anti-Baofeng, I don't think that's a hill that you should die on. I think you should definitely encourage people no. to, to uh, take a step up. 
And uh, in, the, in the same regard, yeah, I encourage people to at least get into it. Sure. And in, in the same regard, you know, ham community is not all bad. It's just mostly bad. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I mean, in my experience with the ham community so far, I mean, you know, I, I had to go to the ham club. I, I met a bunch of the dudes. So that way, you know, to take my tests and everything I studied solo, I just did, you know, studying online and, and everything and took practice exams. But, um, you know, not all of them are like, you know, old ham fuds and, and, you know, not everybody with a ham license is just like a, like a, an old boomer, um, who, who doesn't believe in using encryption and everything. You'd actually be kind of surprised. I would think that maybe not a lot of the older ones, but a lot of the younger hams, you know, guys like me, I wouldn't really consider myself a ham. I'm not out there transmitting, trying to make like random contacts, you know, every day to random people on like the two meter calling frequency or anything like that. But I, I would think, you know, guys like you guys, like me, other guys, uh, you know, I've got a radio that I can use for ham radio, but I can flip a switch and I'm running AES 256 bit encryption now. I think the, the, the reputation that's gotten attached to the ham community, I think here's where it comes from. So most of us communicate and learn this content behind the screen. So Instagram is a big part of it. YouTube, uh, Twitter, um, you know, there's, there's a whole bunch of social media and other media out there um getting into the comments is one of the stupidest things in the world it's just like this autistic cesspool of bickering and back and forth and the, and you know like people who talking about emergency communications and TACCOM and comsec and encryption and stuff like that the hams show up in those comments and they're like that's illegal you can't do that uh blah 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 blah, blah. you know they have endless reasons and they just show up over and over and over and shit on people for just talking about it. It's not, it's not a, it's, it's not something that you should just throw the baby out with the bath water. I mean, it's, it's worth learning that stuff and, and being prepared to use it. The, the FCC does acknowledge and they admit this and you learn this. If you take the test is that if you have a true emergency, you can transmit on those frequencies and they're not going to come after you. They're not going to prosecute you. You're not going to get arrested. In fact, there's a lot of hands yeah, when, it came, there. when it comes to, if you had a true emergency and you got on their frequencies and started talking and said, Hey, I need help. I have an emergency. And they would love it. They would, that, that would make their year. Dude, it would get so hard for that. <laughs> sure. Sure. Oh man. It, it, I think it's that's, the comments. And then here in town where I live, um, I live in the DFW area in Texas. Uh, we got ham radio outlet. In fact, I think it's the, uh, I think it's the headquarters, but uh, you walk into the store the old grumpy guy behind the counter the first thing he asks you when you walk in what's your call sign if you don't have a call <laughs> sign he's like i'm not selling to you you need to leave it's like oh geez oh what are you doing man you get someone coming in here who's curious and wants to look around you're just gonna run him off like, yeah that's not how you get someone into a, it. something like that and then you know the 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 stories about ham's direction finding people using frequencies that they're not supposed to use uh, the stuff in the comments it's like no wonder hams have a bad reputation the truth is, I've been to ham radio clubs too. I went to one to take my uh, general test. Those guys were great. I was a little bit, you know, I, I will admit, I walked in there with a preconceived notion that they were going to be kind of douchebaggy. As, as they administered my test, I was like, these guys are actually pretty cool. They're nice. They're nice guys. Uh, but they're yeah, definitely the same not. We definitely don't share goals or ideals or objectives when it comes to radio. But the end all be all for those guys is to communicate on ham radio. Are we, someone like us, uh, for MCOM and TACCOM, radio is a tool. Uh, radio is not the end objective. 
so there, there's you know there's overlap but it, it's not the same thing yeah no i i totally agree with that too and i had a pretty good experience as well when i went to the ham club to like take my tests and everything they were like you know they saw me coming in as like a 20 something year old and they were like what the heck who's this kid and you know then i i took my uh my technician's test and aced it um same thing with the general test i came in there it was two different clubs actually uh that i had to go to for the testing just with the way the 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 testing worked out um and then aced my general and they're asking me all these questions and they're trying to get me to join their club and everything and i was just like uh yeah yeah thanks guys i'll, I'll think about it I'll, I'll i might see you guys next week and and i like never went back <laughs> Yeah, when I took my general, um, I have a three-year-old, and I went after work. And I was like, all right, guys, I got to make this snappy. I got to take this test and then get out of here so I can go home and spend time with my daughter. And they were like, well, don't you want to stay for the club meeting? I was like, man, I would love to, but I, I got to go home to my daughter. And they're like, well, can you get on your radio and uh, call out that you uh, just passed your general on the way home so we can listen and be your first contact? So I was like, I'm sorry, guys, I got to go. They were like disappointed. They were like, oh, bad so puppies. <laughs> But, uh, oh, that's so funny. I mean, they were, they were, they were cool. I, I have a feeling though, if I, um, if I went to a ham club and I kind of spilled the beans on some of the MCOM, TACCOM stuff that we're doing, it is gray area. Uh, legally it's gray area. Um, I'm sure they, I, I, I'm sure I'd get the typical FUD response of you're not supposed to do that. Uh, probably you know. like 99% no, chance. Of a, that's how it's gonna kind go. of a, a pick your battles situation and don't say too much and that sort of thing. But. Yeah. I definitely think that, you know, MCOM and, and TACCOM are two totally different animals. And while there is some overlap between those, uh, I think the properties of each are very different. You know, I, you know, like I was saying, I think ham radio and the local repeater systems being, you know, at your fingertips, if, if you need them to, is, is a really great resource um, from an emergency standpoint. Um, but from a tactical standpoint, that's, uh, like I said, like a very little bit of overlap there, but from a tactical standpoint, you're really talking, you, you want secure, you know, rugged, dependable radios. Right. Yeah, you, not just the hardware too, but you want to be exclusive. You want to be able to communicate information and um, only communicate it with the people. You, you only want your people to hear it and you only want to hear your people. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly that's kind of the, the the premise behind it that's where you know comsec is, is is very important and and this is um this is kind of where some of the the bickering about Fangs has come in there's no concept com blah 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 comsec available on a, on a Baofeng radio there's there's no encryption there's no digital if you want to spend time kind of understanding this a little bit deeper go check out s2 underground he has a great presentation on uh secure comms you can check it out on youtube he does and um, all of his information is great. Go check him out. He does it. He does a great job spelling it out, making it super basic. Yep. But comsec is important. You know, there, there's a reason that uh, the military uses encrypted radio. There's a reason why public ser- service, fire, uh, EMS, these departments don't use encryption, but they use P25. You know, there, there's a reason why they've made those choices, and a lot of that has to do with communication security, keeping people off those bands who are not supposed to be there. From a from a tactical perspective, you don't want anybody listening to what you're communicating back and forth. You're sharing grid coordinates, sharing locations and positions, and uh, you're talking about uh, rally points and passing phase lines and uh, target reference points and all that stuff. 
Yep. That's that's valuable intel to the to an adversary. And if, if they if they got oh, that yeah. information, you're you're walking into an ambush and you don't even know it. So exactly that information is is the best way to ensure security. And that uh, kind of information absolutely needs to have like bare minimum at least like a 40 bit encryption. But honestly, I wouldn't even go that low. I would say that the 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 standard for encryption is going to be AES two fifty six. For sure. And we should do a whole podcast on, on encryption and how it works and how often you should rotate it. But I mean, there's, yeah, I need to dive a little bit more into this and, uh, people like, uh, comms and logistics and, uh, I think anarcho bacon and some of those guys, they understand this a little bit more in depth, but you can hack at encryption. You can download that audio, have a lot of rhythms and, and hacking tools that, that work on that audio and work on decrypting yep. So you might not be able to to decrypt the entire thing, but you can decrypt segments enough of it to where you can kind of tell a story with what you have decrypted and start to gather some, you know, key puzzle pieces that be dangerous to uh, yourself and your team. And um, oh, yeah, you know, for that reason, like all like- over your encryption frequently. Every six hours. Every yeah, exactly. Hours. However much, however often your situation dictates. Yeah. No, and they don't even have to decrypt your stuff like on the fly either, because like, especially if you're not, you know, cycling or, or rotating your encryption keys um, that, you know, their people or your adversary could just be like recording uh, all of like the bulk RF traffic because uh, they have million dollar pieces of equipment that can just monitor like gigahertz of spectrum and just record everything that happens in that spectrum. And, and, and then if it picks up encrypted traffic, they'll start, they'll send that over to start being, you know, broken. And if you're running just a 46 bit encryption or, or a 40 bit, like a uh, ADP encryption or something, I think you I mean, that eight hours, I, I would say it's probably less than that with million dollar, you know, like nation state level equipment. They can probably, I would, I would say that they might possibly break 40 bit encryption almost instantly. Absolutely. You know, so to, to break this down further, going beyond encryption, there's a lot of talk out there uh, lately about, well, you don't need encryption if you just use a, a brevity code. Well, hold on there a minute. That's a lot to remember. It's a lot to remember, but you can can listen in on brevity code and and kind of start to build a narrative and, and slowly, yeah. like you're not going to decipher all of it, especially brevity code that's built around key locations. But you, know, you can figure out when someone's throwing out a code word that means that they're on the move or they're stationary. And and yeah, and that's key information. It is. That's the kind of stuff that you want to shield from your adversary. Uh, you don't want them knowing yeah. anything. You want to hide. Everything. And I think, you know, um, you know, we're talking about like the comsec thing. Uh, I don't know if you saw my post from uh, the other day where, you know, I took a quick picture. I busted out the old uh, the old handy dandy radio uh, operators handbook the marine corps one it's um, a great handbook i've learned and, a lot from that oh yeah that dude i think in my post i was like this is like the best 14 dollars i've ever spent because you just like crack that book open like any page and it's just like great information um but i went to the comsec section of that book the other day after you and i were talking about it and uh you know i'll just i'll just read it here i, I got it up but you know uh uh, cryptography or encryption is actually like the third line of defense for like a radio operator. It's not your primary line of defense. Uh, your your primary lines are going to be like your emissions control, uh, which is basically going to be you know making sure that nobody's like hot keying their their mics on accident or something for like minutes on end. That that would just be devastating for 
uh, for right, ComSec and, 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 and operational clear. security. Just so everybody's clear, just because you have encrypted comms, that doesn't mean they can't detect your signal. You can absolutely. Yeah, do- that does seem to be a common misunderstanding. Absolutely. It's, it's not that you're hiding your signal. It's that you're hiding your content. That's what yeah, you're hiding that you're 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 masking the content of the signal, but you're not the the signal still has to exist. The, the the RF energy is still going out into the air, and there's receivers all over the place that can pick that up. Um, so talk a little bit about, more about emissions control and directional antennas and all that stuff. Uh, well, yeah, emissions control is basically just going to be all of your emissions, everything from your radios to your uh, cell phones, which you probably shouldn't have on you at all in a tactical situation like that. Um, uh, no Bluetooth devices, anything that has basically like a software level switch. Uh, cause, cause I mean, your, your cell phone, it's just a super radio. That's all, that's all your cell phone is. Your, your Bluetooth devices are radios. Anything wireless emits, uh, an RF signal that can be detected, especially if there's, um, you know, basically like a straight line of sight to that signal, uh, like, you know, blue aerial uh, signal intelligence aircraft and drones can pick up a Bluetooth signal from like 30,000 feet or more and, you know, get boom, like precise location because that Bluetooth signal is just like constant and like never ending. And especially the environment you're in, if you're out in the middle of the woods and you got like a five gigahertz Bluetooth signal where there's no other five gigahertz RF, uh, uh, you know, happening, uh, you're just going to stand out like a sore thumb. But yeah, basically emissions control is just making sure that there isn't any of that happening. And also when it pertains to your actual like operational radios, that you're using the lowest power possible to complete the transmission. And if you can, using a directional antenna, which is, they're a little bit more cumbersome to carry. I mean, some folding ones go up in a, in a pack pretty easy. Or, or even strapped to maybe the back of your kit pretty easily. And uh, that those just focus your, uh, your RF uh, energy into the direction that the antenna is pointing, essentially. So if you have a map or you know the bearing of your targeted uh, party, you can point the, that antenna in that direction and then make your transmission. And that way... Nobody beyond the bounds of the direction of that transmission can hear what's happening or detect it. Absolutely. One of the best ways I've heard described was they talk about like your carbon footprint, garbage. <laughs> uh, well, you, you have an RF footprint as well. Yeah. You, you, everywhere you go, you're going to you're going to leave a radio frequency signature. You're, you, whether it's like you said, Bluetooth or uh, your cell phones are going to have four antennas inside of them. Um, yep. Or your radio. And the beautiful thing about radio is you're not going to leave a footprint if you're not pushing that button. Exactly. So the, the kind of the, the, the name of the game is don't push the button. But when you need to put the button, <laughs> is, let's control what kind of signal goes out. You know, you're talking about Bluetooth and stuff and, and, and some of those signal intelligence aircraft. You know, you know what's that app, Waze, that, that tracks traffic. And uh, now Google yep. does it. You can get on your Google Maps and you can see like the red lines and the green lines. and Yeah. Those are satellites tracking your phone position. No, 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 no. I, I learned a little bit more right. about that recently. You know what that? You know how they do that in real time? When Waze first came Educate out, me. people had to, to report, hey, there's a wreck here, and I'm backed up this far. And they aggregated yeah. enough data from reporting that they, they made that map. Over time, they got smart. So, so look for this next time you're driving down a highway in a highly populated area. 
you'll see these little Yagi antennas. And Yagi, it's just like a stick with a bunch of little tiny... I things. see them everywhere. So what, what that is, it's scanning for Bluetooth. Not just Bluetooth phones, but your phone, your headphones, your MP3 players, your car stereo. Everything is admitting Bluetooth if the Bluetooth is turned on. And so it scans and gets that, um, that MAC address. <laughs> And uh, that that data gets dumped into a database. And then you go down the yeah. road and it scans it again. There's a timestamp on that scan. And so it figures out, okay, it passed point A at, at, at this time. And it passed point B at this time. So it, they're going this fast. They've covered this much distance. They use that data to aggregate traffic maps. That's crazy. I, I was wondering. Fucking scary because got... they're using your, your signal you have and you have no idea that they're harvesting your signal but that's what they're doing that's how they do that that's what they're fucking doing dude that's crazy cuz after i got my license and everything and i learned what a yagi antenna was and then i was like these things are fucking everywhere you know what i just thought of there are free yagi antennas all over your town and the government doesn't want you to know it you can just go take them i have 847 yagi antennas oh man <laughs> that's funny they're all uh, – I forget the frequency, but I think it's in like the 900 megahertz range. And, uh, uh, probably 900, 2.4, and, and probably 5 gigahertz. Gigahertz, yeah. Yeah, because a lot of the Bluetooth now is is like the 5, 5G or whatever, like Bluetooth. So 5G is a funny thing too. It, we're definitely getting in the weeds here. but Yeah, we're getting in the weeds there. So, um, let's, do, let's do a 5G podcast at a later date. We'll save that one for later. I know very little about 5G other than, you know, its place on the electromagnetic spectrum. So I'll have to do some reading. So so back to the conversation, back to the Baofeng, ComSec. I think part of the um, part of what's driving the conflict and the bickering and the back and forth is there, there's a whole camp of thought out there that's saying that, well, everybody's got a Baofeng and not everybody understands DMR because they can't even program their Baofeng. So we just need to make Baofeng work. They just kind of throw the whole understanding of, of ComSec and electronic warfare out the window. And it's like, you can do that if you want to, but it, that is very, very unwise. And it's especially... Let's say you get blowed up. Like, if, if you don't understand the, the electronic warfare tools that exist and capabilities of them and, and how widely used they are, then I mean, it's one of those things. You don't know what you don't know. Once you start... Jumping into that world, like, holy shit, I should never, I don't even want to train with the Baofeng. I'll, I'll just throw it away right now. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to have a, you're going to have an emissions footprint. You're, you're going to have, you're going to leave a signal footprint. Your signal's masked. And, you know, there, there are steps that you can take to, to minimize your signal, minimize your RF footprint. And uh, so the, the yeah. whole thought. Yeah. Well, we were just talking of, about some of that. Of Baofeng's fine because everybody has one and we just need to learn how to make it work. It's like, that's such a foolish and uneducated thing to say. And it, I mean, that this applies, this doesn't apply to MCOM, this applies to tactical communications. So before you start going down that road, and I'm just going to make analog Baofeng's work, you really need to go educate yourself a little bit further on what kind of electronic warfare capabilities are out there. And it'll, it'll make it clear that, hey, these things are not safe. They're not reliable. And it's a threat to me and my family. You know, to be yeah. fair, governments are going to be the type of people who have these electronic warfare capabilities. But in today's world, with SDRs and some of the open source SDR tools that are coming out, 
um, wide monitoring and electronic warfare has started making its way into the civilian space. And we're seeing this in the Ukraine and Russian war with some of the hood rat shit that they're doing. And then we're seeing that here on our soil with some of the stuff like terminal armaments made his uh, SDR stick and uh, modifying some of the SDR tools that are available. So you can do I'd ban signal gathering and focus on a specific signal at the same time. Or you can do ADSB, which means you can track aircraft in real time. Uh, yep. You know, the, the, the electronics warfare is the future. It's, it's spilled over into the civilian world. It is. So when we when we have stuff like 2020, you know, you got riots on the street, you got Black Lives Matter stopping traffic. You, you could be stuck in your vehicle and you might need to get out of there. And everybody, the cell phone towers are jammed because everybody's calling, asking for help. And this is this is a big hypothetical. But the best things you can do is, is have like an emergency action plan with people from your family and your neighborhood and say, like, hey, come get me out. You know, someone on Overwatch and two or three people on the ground. Come get me out of my car safely. Make sure I'm not going to get mugged leaving this car, leaving this blocked traffic, or leaving work. That's, that's just a hypothetical example, but there there are tactical scenarios as a civilian that you should consider using radio for. And 2020 was the perfect example of studying. 2020 was a good example. Where just just go look at 2020 and 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 think about where you live. Ask yourself, what kind of situations could I find myself in? And if I was prepared and I had buddies to help. How would radio be a key player in that? And the, the follow-up question to that is, how is ComSec going to play a, a part in that? I guarantee, you know, these these people organizing and protesting and doing all this stuff, they're not stupid either. They used ATAC at the Chaz Chop Zone. Did you know that? Yeah, I saw that. You know, Antifa used ATAC to, to organize and take over that however many city blocks it was. They got smart. You know, I mean, I'm I'm not pro Antifa, but that was kind of based. Absolutely, we we got pretty far off on the weeds. Uh, did you want me to finish up my list of my uh, my alternative radios? What else you got? I got a couple more. I'll run through them pretty quick so we don't burn up like a whole hour. Um, but we'll pick up at where I left off on the 100 to 200 dollar range. Um, and my second option for less than 200 dollars, which the price point comes in at a Right at about $200, maybe a little bit more, but it's the Motorola XPR 6550 UHF. Uh, and those come in, at least right now, on the surplus mark on eBay from when I was looking at just uh, today and, and yesterday. is about 200 bucks, maybe like $240 roughly. But uh, you are getting an IP57. I have IP57 written here, but mill standard. Uh, they do text messaging and they have GPS, which I have a question mark next to GPS from a TACCOM's perspective. If if your radio has GPS and it's just a like a firmware switch to like turn it off and you don't actually know if that GPS is off, that could be a little bit of a you know like a emissions control slash uh, communication security and operational security uh, hazard possibly. They do uh, they are capable of a, a low level encryption out of the box. You're, you know, right when you get them, they'll do a software based forty bit encryption, and they do analog scrambling, which is kind of a cool feature. But that's not going to keep anyone from listening in with even a simple SDR and a computer. And there is a surplus market, so there's a lot of uh, surplus affordable accessories, batteries, chargers, uh, antennas, uh, speaker mics, and stuff for those radios. Yeah, I've seen those. Um, the other day, I was talking to Anarcho Bacon, and he mentioned that there's a similar to the 6550. I'm not sure what model it is, but they even have them available in DMR in the 900 megahertz band, which is really cool. 
Oh, 900. So license free. That's kind of interesting. Right. I wonder if he's, I don't know what model he, he would be referencing off the top of my head. I, I know that the housing looks exactly the same as the 6550. I think it's in the 65 or 6000 series, but, um, yeah, but there's, there's just a, another one. That's kind of interesting. I wonder what the power output on that is. It's, it's probably like, like half a watt. I think it's only like two watts max. Yeah, it's probably max two watts. But pushing along uh, to the next category, which I had $200 plus, uh, was something that you actually suggested. I wrote it down and I, I pulled up some of the details on it. But that's going to be the the B-Tech 6x2, uh, which is $200, just about even if you order from B-Tech. And uh, they have the 6x2 Pro, which I think just adds a couple features, but it's like $300. And it it, it adds the, Bluetooth. The added features. It adds Bluetooth capability. Is that what it is? That's it. And it's yeah. It's not it's not reliable Bluetooth at all. It's kind of like I use my uh, Bluetooth headset with this radio. And from what I understand, it's got a lot of problems. Yeah. yeah. And Bluetooth is a comsec and, and operational security nightmare. So let, let's take that one off. But the, the just the standard 6x2, I don't believe, has the Bluetooth. Uh, some of the pros I had written down about that radio is it is dual band. It does analog and DMR, so it's dual band, dual mode, uh, which is cool. So a lot of operability, big frequency range that you can use. From B-Tech, for $200, it comes with two batteries, a programming cable, um, and a couple of other accessories. I think it comes with like a cheap earpiece and, and mic setup, too. They claim AES 256-bit encryption. I know that some of the Chinese implementation of AES 256 isn't quite like actual AES 256. It's like the same. It's like six. It's like a 16-bit repeating key um, for a lot of those Chinese radios. But it is a much higher level of encryption than just like a a standard 40-bit. Um, so I have a couple of six by twos, and a bunch of the guys that I do uh, tactical drills here with have them as well okay we we've tested them out and they've been working great and the reason we went with them is is again it's a it's a price point thing it's uh it's, it's not they're pretty that, affordable yeah they're they're affordable and and for for a dual band dual mode with encryption and you're talking 200 bucks that's that's pretty good yeah it's 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 pretty good and and there, there's definitely better to be had out there for what we do yeah uh it's it's been sufficient and they are IP54 rated. Did uh? That's what it says. How uh? I was going to ask you how um how true is that? Are they pretty rugged? Back in the spring, that we had a tornado rolling through, and it was really close by. And I got on Skywarn on one of the local repeaters, and just listening to the storm chasers trying to track the tornado, and it was within a mile of our house. And so I went out in the the blowing rain with the radio looking at the sky and listening to Skywarn, trying to see, like, where is this thing? Is it going to hit us? If I could get a visual of it, it was during the daytime. So it was like, if I could get a visual of it, I'm going to, I'm going to go inside, grab my wife and baby and get in the bathtub and, and, and take cover. And, but while I was, I had this thing in my hand out in the middle of the street, looking at the sky and blowing rain and the thing definitely got wet and never shorted out. So, uh, okay. That's awesome. That's that also a great, example of ham radio for emergency communications and then <laughs> absolutely absolutely and then I, I can say this about it too when you take the battery off uh the two positive and negative terminal terminals on the back of the radio there's a rubber o-ring yeah. around them so when you put the battery on it you're going to have a rubber seal around those terminals that's going to prevent water from getting in there and causing any kind of electrical short so that's okay. and now i haven't torture tested it so i don't know how reliable they are 
definitely leaps and bounds above a Baofeng. Yeah. Another thing I can say about them is I've dropped it, and the battery did snap off when I dropped it, but it snapped right back on. I didn't have to tape it on. It didn't break any of the connections or anything. It still works. Well, that's good. Okay. Very nice. It's it's not quite as robust as uh, anything Motorola or EF Johnson. It's definitely better than a Baofeng. I would say it's probably the bare minimum as far as like a dependable uh, DMR like radio for TAC comms. Early on, I got um, I got one of those uh, TYT MD380 DMR radios, and uh, they don't have encryption. And navigating the CPS on it is a disaster. <laughs> they, they only work on Windows, and the last Windows that it was compatible with was Windows 7. So I don't have a Windows 7 disk lying around. So yeah, so forget about using That's CPS like, on it. And then using the menu, navigating the menu on the Facebook <laughs> programming, it was like, this is ridiculous. I can't, I can't figure out where anything is. And you got to like go through this maze of menus to find the features that you want to turn on and off. And you know, so it's not. Did a lot of the Chinese radios are like that, or all the Chinese radios are like that. Yeah, and and that's the thing. So as as far as the Chinese radios that are, I'd say bottom tier reliable. And I, I use that term loosely. I'd, I'd say any tone BTEC radios. Yeah, that was my next option on the list for over 200 was the Anytone 878. They come in at about 300 bucks and they basically do everything the 6x2 does and they look the same. Yeah, and for all intents and purposes, it's the same radio. It's just different firmware. Yeah, different firmware. And I don't have any direct hands-on experience with these radios. I know that uh, Wyoming Survival, who we mentioned earlier, he's got a ton of videos using the Anytone 878s. He seems to really like them for the most part. Um, he's definitely a good resource to go to if you're looking into uh, any of the Anytones or more information on them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then my final option here, uh, or go ahead if you have something to say. No, I was going to say, as far as DMR, I kind of made a list too. Uh, going up from there, look at the Maxon radios. Now, yep, those are good too. I've heard the CPS is a little finicky though. Yeah, I've heard the the user interface is uh, a little little crappy as well. But um, I don't have any hands-on experience with them, so I can't really speak to them too much, but I know that they're a lot better quality than uh, the Anytones and uh, it's a DMR radio, so it should be compatible with all DMR. And I don't I know there's the TPD 1000, which is like the face pro- programmable version of Maxon. Yep. Reading into it, it, I almost bought one of those. I almost did too. Um, I kind of wish I did, but I'm kind of glad I didn't. But it looks like the encryption standard that it uses is not AES. I need to do a little bit more homework. On no, it. I don't think the uh, the the TPD 1000. I don't believe is uh, is uh, AES capable. It uses another type of encryption. The the M. I think it's the MDP 6000. Or some, the MT, the MDP, it's like the six thousand or four thousand. That does Motorola AES encryption. That's nice. So what's so that's like the smaller version of of the DPT or whatever. So you you've jumped into Motorola a whole lot more than I have, especially with P twenty five. But the XPS that is DMR and the XPR is the DMR series. Yeah, XPR is DMR and. The uh, XTS, the XTS, uh, X-ray Tango Sierra. That's the P25. Yeah, those are the P25, um, which is actually the third option on my list, at least right now in the surplus market. As far as uh, the XTS 5000s, um, you can pick up an XTS 5000 VHF for a, like less, 
depending on where you look and what it comes with for if you're talking uh like radio only no battery no charger no antenna you're looking at about two hundred dollars or less for the radio uh and the other stuff is easy to source there's a massive surplus market for the xts uh model radios and what's kind of nice about those is the the surplus market grows even larger because most of the ef johnson uh, 5100 and Viking series batteries, chargers, uh, antennas, and things are all compatible with the XTS 5000 radios. Um, so you could get a radio for like just less than 200 bucks. You can get an antenna for about 10 to 20 bucks. You can get a battery for like $30. You can get a charger for like 20 to $30. And then uh, you could buy a UCM if you want to use AES 256-bit encryption. You'll most likely have to buy a UCM and install it, which is super easy. I'll probably also release a YouTube video on how to do that. There's already a couple of YouTube videos on it, actually. It's super easy to install a UCM. You could do it in like five minutes. And then after all of that, you're coming out at about $300 and... That's if you're willing to put in the work on the back end. You know, you're probably going to need to have someone in your group dedicated as a commo who's going to put in the time to learn how to use the Astro CPS to program the radios. They're they're going to have to the commo guy. You know, like myself, I had to buy a key loading device so that way uh, for us to use AES 256 bit encryption, you have to load the keys with a separate device. So you have to plug your computer into a key loading device, and then that key loading device plugs into your radio. And you use a software called KFD tool to generate and load keys to the radio that way, which uh, depending on where you look, a key loading device is about a hundred bucks uh, to source one uh, for an aftermarket one because a actual like uh, an actual Motorola key loading device is like three thousand dollars for a KVL three thousand. It's so crazy. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> but if you do have a comma who's willing to put in the work on the back end, you could be running encrypted XTS 5000s for about $300 a radio. Not That's bad. not counting the key loading device. But the key loading device is really not that bad. You source a, an aftermarket or open source one like the KFD Shield, and uh, you're, you're talking less than 100 bucks for a key loader and the cables and everything. That's pretty good. You get a lot better capabilities. And you then, get a lot better quality radio, a lot more reliable. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm trying to fill this void of the uh, of the reliable information out there on how to do all of this stuff. Like I was saying, now that I've kind of gotten to the point where I've got a, a pretty good grasp on on most of this, I feel like uh, I feel like I'm in a place where I can start helping uh, distribute some of this information and hopefully help other people that, that's kind of like one of my one of my goals where i think you asked earlier where i want to go with radio and it's just uh i want to help others do the same thing that i'm doing which is implement a secure rugged dependable communication standard for their family and their group it's awesome man there's one thing i wanted to touch on we haven't talked about yet it's a radio shoot it's a radio let's see if you can guess what it is it's a radio any any uh, that we haven't talked about yet it's pretty well known out there the any any guesses? Starts with a high and uh, ends with a Terra. <laughs> oh, the high Terra radios. Yeah, I don't know a ton about the high Terra radios, other than as far as Chinese DMR radios go, it's basically the top tier in that bracket. Yeah, I don't have one. Uh, they appear to be cream of the crop, according to the people who do have them. I uh, I know uh, Resilient Civilian 
out there on Instagram. He's uh, got his hands on some. Yeah, I know him. Um, Child of Darlet. Okay, very cool. Child of Darlet. On- I know that my local uh, my local PD is running high terrace. No way. Um, A local PD is running. Yeah, my. It's crazy. Yeah, at least. I haven't like seen one in their hands, but I've been pretty close to like, you know, uh, at the grocery store and I, I was just like trying to like, <laughs> without looking like I was staring the, the, the guy down, I was trying to like eyeball his radio and I could just see the top of it. Um, and just seeing the top of it, it looks like, uh, I think it's like one of the high Terra 900 series. Is it like the 982 or something? I think that's what it is. The, from what I could see of the radio, it was like a very small footprint radio um, with a center-mounted antenna on the top of it. And there's not that many options that it could have been, and most of those are Hytera. I think I, – I mean I, I don't know of any other radios that have a center-mounted antenna, do you? Uh, not off the top of my head. I mean I don't either. It's got to be. But And you know what the funniest thing is? Is they're not even running encryption because I can bust my SDR out, plug it into my computer, and start listening to their dispatch. <laughs> Are they on analog? They're dispatch and they're uh, – no, they're running digital. They're running DMR, but it's clear. That's crazy. So you have a sheriff's department on DMR, not P25. It's it's not the sheriff. It's the PD. It's the police okay. department. The sheriff is running analog UHF. Oh, I don't even think I finished that. But yeah, I EDC two radios. My other one is a, is a, is a Radiodity GD77, which is just a dual-band DMR with basic encryption and texting and stuff. But that was actually my first radio. And uh, I still carry it today. It's a great little radio. Um, it doesn't have any IP ratings, but I've used it in the pouring rain and it still works. And I've dropped it several times on sand and concrete. It's been in the field with me many times. I've taken it camping uh, for days on end. And so far, it's been a tough little radio. Uh, but yeah, I can listen to my uh, to two local, DM, uh, two local police departments that are running DMR and uh, my local sheriff's office, which is just running. Uh, just analog UHF. I can listen to all of it on my one radio. That's awesome. Now, you know that uh, the GD77 is discontinued, right? Yeah, I do know that, which made me very sad. They discontinued it, and then they released the GD88, which is kind of a letdown a little bit. So I, I saw those when they came out, and there was a, a big talk in our group about budget DMR radio, and the GD8, the GD88 <laughs> claims to be uh, AES-256 encryption, uh, TDMA repeat. So I bought one and I was thoroughly disimpressed or dis- dissatisfied immediately. Out of the box, the, the knob on the top was like flimsy and like it was like plastic that hadn't been shaved off from the factory, from the injection molding. Really? And That's sad. Then navigating the menu on it, it was terrible. I couldn't even figure out how to get it into VFO mode. It was stuck in, in memory mode out of the box. And, and I... And I uh, yeah. I pulled the, man- the manual out and started going through it, and I pulled up a YouTube video. And what I found when I pulled up the YouTube video was it's basically just an older rebranded radio from, like, the 2016 era. And I forget who originally released it, but, like, man, this thing is a piece of garbage. They should have just stuck with the GD77 because so many people have those. They're, they're reliable. Dude, I like I was saying, I love my 77. It was my first radio. I like I was saying, I didn't want to just like get a bow fang or something. I wanted to go ahead and jump into something that was pretty nice. And uh, the GD77 was like a it was like $120 with two batteries, charger, programming cable, and everything I needed to do to like get it running. And uh, it does. 
I forget the encryption standard that it uses. It's not a 40 bit. It's better than that. I think it's a 128 bit encryption. So it's actually like decent encryption. It does texting. Uh, you know, it does private call, all all that kind of good stuff. And like I said, so far the radio's treated me well. I've abused the hell out of it, and it just keeps ticking. So I have no complaints. Makes me sad that the GD seventy seven wasn't in an improvement over the, or the eighty eight wasn't in an improvement over the seventy seven. We've gotten wildly off topic. I wanted to stick with uh, controversy <laughs> on the Baofeng. So let, let's dive back into that a little bit, and then let's start wrapping this up. But, uh, yeah, man. I think a big, um, I think a big deterrent for. People accepting the Baofeng is uh, quality. We've touched on that. Uh, is is OPSEC, and we've touched on that. And I think a big proponent of the Baofeng is everybody has one. And um, I definitely think that the, it gets over-glorified unnecessarily. I think so, too. I think that happens with a lot of things within the the like gun culture kind of community and everything. And, and the, the, the debate around it becomes kind of toxic, unfortunately. It does. And so if you have a Baofeng out there... I want to encourage you. Learn everything you can about it. Master that radio. Go learn what VHF and UHF are. Go learn the difference between simplex and duplex. Learn how to program in a repeater. Learn learn that radio and, and make a plan to get something a little bit more substantial, a little bit more robust. Uh, it's worth doing. Yeah, I think, you know, I think I think we uh, I think we hit that pretty hard. You know, I, I welcome anyone who's who's got a Baofeng and who's willing, willing to use it. I think, you know, one of my uh, so, like some of the frustrations I've had with it. And, you know, I said something about it earlier is like the guys who have the Baofengs and then they have no idea how to use them. And then uh, another uh, frustration, something I find fr- frustrating is the guys who own like all the gucci gear like even all the way up to like like bino night visions uh and and they've got you know two thousand dollar rifles and peck 15s and then they're and then they're like oh you want me to buy a 300 hundred dollar radio that's, that's too expensive point, man it's a really good point. <laughs> and i think there are people out like, there who genuinely want to train and uh all they can afford it is about thing and, and i know that because i see their kit and all they wear is condor and condor's cheap and I'm not knocking Condor. Exactly. But it's not the best. There And the Gucci gear is a trend. You know, if uh, the way I, I look at any communications, really, the way I look at any communication is you should be willing to spend as much money on a radio. I mean, are you going to go buy a cheap ass sight mark from Bass Pro and expect that to be reliable in the field, especially if you drop your rifle? No. No. Yeah, no. No. Oh. <laughs> yeah. No, the, 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 no, I think you made a good point. Principles of, uh, uh, of tactics and tactical training is shoot, move, and communicate. You know, so shooting, you're gonna have your your rifle, you're gonna have your optic. Moving, you, you're gonna you gotta train, you gotta put in the work. Communicate, you gotta have something reliable. And just like uh, Wyoming yeah. Survival said, it gets worked out in the field, man. So you know what? Go go get yourself a bowfang, bowfang. Do some uh, team training. Go prone with a radio on your fr- on your chest in a pouch, and see what happens after the fifth time you go prone. Train in the rain. Yep. You know, shit gets worked out in the field. You'll figure it out. It's 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 unreliable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything gets figured out in the field. You and your gear are, are going to get figured out in the oh, field. For sure. And you learn. Uh, I got a little bit of a hot take on the on the shoot, move, communicate thing. Yeah. Uh, and you know, it, it, in my experience so far uh, with the gun community and and getting out and, and meeting people and stuff. And even amongst like my, my group that I train with at least kind of 
regularly a little bit uh, is everybody wants to go shooting. It, so, so you have the, you, you mentioned like the whole shoot, move, communicate thing. And there's a, there's like a paradox here where everybody wants to go shooting. And then as you go to shooting and, and moving, well, oh, and people are like, oh, well, now you want me to run with all this gear on and shoot my gun and, and, and you lose some people there. Uh, so you got everybody wants to go shoot slightly fewer people want to shoot and run and move with all that gear. And then even fewer people want to shoot, move and run with all that gear and then effectively communicate with a secure uh, communication standard and actually train that. And that's my hot take. It's <laughs> a very good point. No, I think if you're going to take the tactical side of this seriously, you really need to consider OPSEC and COMSEC and reliability, you know, reliability of gear. You know, your life's going to depend on this. It, that's that's what's going to set apart. Yeah. That's what's going to make the difference between the LARPers and the trainers. And there's nothing wrong with LARPing. Go have fun. Put the gear on. Go train. Go play airsoft. Go get out there and maneuver. So we said earlier on, people take this too seriously. I think there's a balance between how serious you take it and, um, and having fun. I, I think seriously considering stuff like OPSEC and COMSEC and real life scenarios come into play, you know, that's it's a key element to this and, and communications is one of those things that you need to take seriously and you, and you can have a yeah, lot shooting, of fun doing this and, and, and take it seriously at the same time. Figure out where yeah. you can skimp on, uh, on your, your training and your gear and, uh, radios isn't one of them. If you ask me, it's something you need to take. Seriously. I don't believe so. I mean, yeah, like, uh, the, like you, like we were saying, like the whole shoot, move and communicate thing, it, it's one like cohesive element you don't get to pick one or two of those things they are all equally important definitely man we've covered a lot uh we're getting we have close to two hours i think we should wrap it up uh well yeah i think so uh, did you get any questions no i I did want to bring that up so uh i put out there on instagram one of the things i want to do on this show is uh field questions from uh users on instagram so um didn't get a whole bunch um we definitely touched on some. We, we answered questions that people asked without having to address their questions. I'll put it that way. Okay. Coming up, guys. That makes sense. We did. We did. We uh we covered a very wide area tonight. Yeah, we definitely did. We definitely did. Uh, I remember uh, you wanted me to put together an essential list of topics for beginners. I put together a short list. Did you want me to go over? Yeah, that? let's do that. Bef- before we get out of here, it's worth if if we still got you listening. That means you followed us this far and you're still in. If, if you're still here, <laughs> I know we've, we've, we've touched on a lot of technical topics and we've definitely gotten in the weeds. Um, and this can be quite cumbersome to, to digest if you've never heard any of this before, or if you're just getting into this, but definitely let's, let's touch on some stuff that, uh, you guys want to, or, or, or I'd say you guys need to figure out, uh, if you're going to take this seriously and get into it. So, uh, what do you got? So these are basically like some things that, I, I, uh, I wish somebody would have told me before I just started like studying for my ham license and everything and learning about it that way is it pretty generally, you need to know how a radio works, go on YouTube and literally look up like how a radio works. And you'll learn about most of the things that I'm probably going to you know, talk about here. And as you do that and you run into terms or something that you don't know, like just look them up. I mean, I'm sorry, this is it, this is technical. Communication is very technical. Uh, people didn't learn how to, you know, we didn't come up with the the English language that we speak today and overnight. You know, it took thousands of years to to develop what we use today to 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 
uh, to communicate with each other just on a regular basis. So at the top of my list is study the electromagnetic spectrum and the characteristics of each band for tactical uh, applications. That's probably going to be basically learn about how uh, VHF and UHF radio waves work. And that's going to be like propagation, uh, which is going to be how the RF interacts with the environment that it's moving through. Um, Modulation, which is going to be like basically the difference between like AM radio and FM radio, and then how digital um, protocols are overlaid those uh, overlaid on top of that modulation to make uh, things like encryption work. So learn about those things. Uh, antenna theory is another good one to at least read up on a little bit, basically like how the length of your antenna, which we touched on a bit, correlates to the frequency you're using. And then, you know, we talked about it a good bit, but study emissions control and, and ComSec and, and OPSEC. Uh, well, that all kind of plays into OPSEC. Um, study those things and two really good resources um, for studying those things. I posted it on my story the other day. I'll probably post it some more because it's such a good resource. But there's a digital PDF online. It's the Sigmund. Uh, it's the EPMCOM SOP manual uh, for the United States military. And it covers just a very wide array of everything from your your cell phones and Bluetooth and your radios and uh, basically how to control and uh, how to control the uh, your RF emissions or that footprint you were talking about earlier. And then another really good resource for all of these things is the radio operators handbook that I mentioned earlier, uh, which is the Marine Corps. It's going to be the MCRP 3-40.3B. And I've also posted about that on Instagram before, and I will probably make other posts uh, citing it as well. So uh, that's my short list of if you tackle those things and you maybe read those two books, I mean, they're they're not very long books. They're like 100 pages or something each, and they are just a, a gold mine of knowledge for this. You don't even have to read the whole thing. Just go to some sections, you know, go to the section about uh, MCOM and go to the section about ComSec and and study those things. It's good stuff, man. Add on to that. Here's a little disclaimer. Get familiar with the FCC and their rules and regulations. Yeah. <laughs> so there's 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 rules about what frequencies you can and can't use and uh encryption is illegal the hand bands. Encryption is technically illegal unless you have a part ninety CC license, which is uh the land mobile radio, yep. uh which is what they use for business. So if 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 you want to get an encrypted radio and get out there and get on the hand bands, you're gonna get yourself in trouble. If they can find you. If they can find you, right? There's a uh, don't place them, for it. Because they will try. Emergency communications or a shit hits the fan situation, you can do it. You'll be fine. But as, as frustrating as they are, you do need to learn what the rules are. You'll, you'll learn and a lot about a great RF. way to do that. You'll learn a lot about RF by learning the rules as well. And you do. And I mean, a great way to learn the the FCC regulations is I mean even if you're going even if you're not going to get your your ham license just reading like a, a ham like the text the the ham radio like technician's license like handbook or like even going over parts of it it's a whole part of it just dedicated to the FCC if you just you know look up and read that part you'll get a pretty good grasp of the FCC regulations yeah definitely and the, like we said earlier FCC has made learning FCC information damn near impossible <laughs> so don't go to the fcc website yeah, well, but there's a ton of information on youtube instagram 
on as difficult as it is to learn because they're so technical. The ham radio guys. Go spend some time with your local ham radio club. Don't necessarily tell them that you're doing it to be uh, tactical because uh, they'll, they'll frown upon you and, and tell you that it's illegal. But uh, you can learn a lot from them while you're there. It's a starting point. It's not the best starting point, but it's it's better than nothing. You know, don't go shit on people for trying <laughs> to learn the 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 total ins and outs of all of how this stuff works and all that stuff. Go experiment. Go have fun. Just be smart about it. Yeah, I think a good a good thing is uh, you could always remember is not all hams are fuds, but all fuds are hams. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need to make a hat. Some T-shirts that say that. Yeah, yeah. We got some merch coming down the pipe. <laughs> yeah, this is this, this conversation uh, is hater bait right here. Oh, jeez. Um, and, and, you know, on the on the flip side of that coin, no, man, I think it's been. Don't be a ham hater either. Like, you don't have to be so dogmatic against the hams. Yeah, the ham community's got problems. I think everybody can admit to that. If if it's a resource to to get your feet wet, then go for it. But just know what you're getting into, you know, proceed with caution. Yeah. And um, you know, there, there's something to be learned in, in every pool of thought right here. So, so, so dip in each one and, and see what you get out of it and discard what you don't like or what's not useful or what's redundant and, and hold on to what's, what's useful, and, uh, what's applicable and, and all that stuff. Um, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, it's all good resources, you know, and it's just about knowing uh, when and where to use those resources sure for sure but no man i think we've uh we've covered a lot it's been a really good conversation yeah definitely and i hope i hope everyone's stuck around if you're still here we love you (laughs) absolutely send us uh moving forward send us ideas for what topics you would like to hear covered and uh send us your questions we're gonna start doing question time yeah because we could really deep dive some more specific topics too so for sure and we, we, we've covered a lot and we, we could make an entire episode on several of the topics that we've talked about and we should probably do that. Oh, definitely. Let's, let's, uh, let's back up and let's hear from you guys. What do you guys want to hear about radio? And, uh, let's talk about those things. Let's drill those down. Let's do it. I'm down for sure. You know, it's been real. It's been fun. It's been real fun. Oh yeah. Peace Bye. out. Lekker, 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 lekker